0: Real Life Radio is brought to you by the offices of Dr. Robert Bass and River City Community Church.
1: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Ozaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. This is a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for. Today, Pastor Sean begins to wrap up this series called the Contrarian Guide to Real Life, with a focus today on the contrarian gospel. If you'd like to follow along with the notes to this message, they're available for you at reallife.org, right there at the Sermon Archive link, the same place where you'll also find the complete podcast of this series. Again, as at reallife.org. But thank you so much for tuning in. It's time for the good news, and this is Real Life Radio.
2: We are wrapping up our series this morning. And as we have found out throughout this series, we've got a lot of contrarians here at River City, um, not contrary people, although we've got some of those too. But we got some folks who understand the contrarian nature of this gospel of ours. And that's, in fact, what we're going to talk about this morning, the contrarian gospel. Because we saw it all starts with Jesus, right? He is a contrarian. He did everything different than the conventional religious leaders than you would expect him to. And we've looked at all different kinds of areas. We shine the light of God's word on our work life, our money, our marriages. Last week we talked about leadership. This is me, Mark. You tried to fix it, and yet I've broken it again. Uh, they give me good toys, and all I do is chew on them. Right? Sometimes you just gotta chew on that thing. No. Uh, last week we talked about leadership, and we saw the call to lead is the call to serve, and that's kind of an upside down understanding from a lot of our perspective when we looked at the contrarian leader. And today we want to look at the contrarian gospel. Gospel is that. Word that simply means the good news. That's what the word means. It means the good news. And we're going to go, if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to Acts 13 and 14. We're going to just take a look at Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. A missionary journey is when they went out to share this good news. Now, that's one of those things that gets a little weird in our cultural context because the word proselyting has become a bad word in our culture, right? I mean, if you're proselyting, some companies have, have rules against proselyting. I got a great perspective on that. In fact, I think I showed a video a couple years ago, a guy named Penn Jillette. Penn Jillette. is a comedian magician in Las Vegas. He is a, a you know, self-described atheist. But he had something that kind of it impacted him. A couple of years ago, a guy came up after one of his performances, really nice guy, very complimentary, very well-spoken, and just had some great things to say, some pretty astute observations about it. And, you know, he was just a really nice guy. And he gave Penn a Bible, a little Gideon's Bible, New Testament Psalms. And, you know, Penn's a pretty well-known atheist. But the guy was real respectful. And, and, and Penn Gillette's account of that, it was just on his little video blog. You can go watch it on, on YouTube if, if you want. Uh, his little video blog, he just made the statement how deeply it impacted him. And, and he, he said, he said, I don't respect someone who's not willing to proselyte. He made that statement. He, he actually said it is, how much do you have to hate someone not to proselyte them? If you really believe that there is this possibility of eternal life of this thing that we're created for. If you really believe that there's this possibility of eternal life, how much do you have to hate someone not to proselyte them? This is from an atheist who obviously, in my opinion, understands the gospel better than a lot of Christians sitting in churches. He's heard enough to know we believe this is a matter of life and death, that God really loves people and has something better, and that apart from God... Not only is life a drag here, but it's eternally a drag. It's hell, in fact. And he's heard enough to know that we believe this, and he has the honesty and the confrontational kind (laughs) of fortitude to say, man, how much do you have to hate someone not to proselyte them, if you really believe? And and he he says, "I, I still don't believe there's a God. He said, but... If you believe that, you have to tell someone. I'm like, dude. That's what Paul and Barnabas are about on this missionary journey. They, they are going, and they're, they're doing it in a very big way. They're going to places where gospel's never been preached. It's not like going to cities in America, okay, where everybody's kind of heard the story. Maybe they've heard versions of the story. They've heard the story abused, whatever. This is a place where nobody, they, they haven't heard and so they're going out, and they go to these different cities. And I want to just walk you through because it's interesting. They set sail for the Roman province of Galatia, uh, modern day Turkey, and they go to some different cities. And in, in their first encounter, Acts thirteen thirty two, they they introduce a concept. They say, "We tell you the good news." I want you to note that phrase? We tell you the good news what God promised our Father. And then down a few verses later, in verse 38 through 39, they actually tell, okay, here's what the good news is. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. In Jesus, the good news is in Jesus, you are forgiven. You don't have to walk around with guilt. You are free. You know, Paul said we have this message of reconciliation. Father's not mad. Father loves you. Father wants to set you free. Come and experience, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the good news. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, our sin, the penalty for our sins can be paid for and we can be forgiven. That's the good news. So after that talk many people believe and they're invited back for a second week the next sabbath they're going to share in the synagogue it tells us that on the next sabbath almost a whole city gathered to hear the word of the lord now the jews and, and by the way paul and barnabas are jews so there were some jews who accepted jesus as savior and some jews didn't when they say the jews saw the crowd they were filled with jealousy he's talking about the the jews who rejected christ as messiah and rejected paul and barnabas's message okay they were filled with jealousy. They talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We have to speak the word of God you first. Since you rejected it, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. We, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, verse 48, where we're going to pick up. When the Gentiles heard this. okay, Gentiles just means like everybody else, right? It's non-Jews. Jews, God's chosen people. God's vessel through which he worked and brought... the plan and the person of redemption for the whole world the gentiles heard this they were glad and they honored the word of the lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed now the word of the lord we're told spread through the whole region but the jews incited the god-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city they stirred up persecution against paul and barnabas and expelled them from the region so they shook the dust of their feet in protest against them and went to iconium and the disciples were filled with joy and with the holy spirit So you have this kind of unusual mixed response. Some people received and were glad and they received this word. Others were able to be stirred up, whether because of doubt, unbelief, anger, whatever it was, and to where they just expelled Paul and Barnabas, they threw him out. So they go to the next city, Iconium, Acts 14. Early in the chapter it says at Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual to the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. Now, verse 4. Here we go. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it, fled to Lycaonian uh, L- cities of Lystra and Durba and the surrounding country, where they continued to preach, here's the phrase again, the good news. So another instance where some people received, heard, were excited, and then others became angry, confused, didn't understand, whatever, and rejected them. In fact, some so adamantly that there was a plot to kill them. Okay? Now, in Lystra, we're told, in Durba, they preached the good news, And in Lystra, God gave them the grace to pray for a crippled person. That person was healed, okay? People now began to worship them. They didn't understand them. They didn't understand Jesus, this God of the Jews. They thought that Paul and Barnabas must be Zeus and Hermes. So priests show up with the bulls to sacrifice in their honor, okay? It's just a whole weird situation, okay? Just imagine you and your small group leader just going and kind of praying. God does some cool stuff and people now want to call you gods and sacrifice bulls. Forget the barbecue implications. I mean, really, it's kind of troubling on a bigger, broader level. Verse 14, 15. But when the apostle Barnabas, the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes. In other words, they mourned. They said, and they rushed in the crowd shouting, "Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human, just like you. We are bringing you, look at the phrase, good news telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. Skipping down to verse 18, 21. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. So they're worshiping them, wanting to sacrifice them. Now listen, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. Just know, people singing your name, praising you, you even want to sacrifice bulls to you, it can be really short-lived. Okay, The applause of the crowd is really fickle. They won the crowd over, they stoned this same crowd that wanted to sacrifice and call him, your gods." They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city. I mean, with real rocks, to the point of unconsciousness, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Durba. What they do? they preached the good news. There's the phrase again in that city, and won a large number of disciples. They end up going back kind of the way they came and go into these cities and meet with those who had accepted the word the good news the message of christ and they set up elders and they really established churches and then they returned to antioch from where they started and they reported all that god had done and i just want to say where have you ever heard of good news causing such turmoil being so misunderstood so feared so loved and accepted while at the same time creating anger and confusion. The good news could cause riots. Good news doesn't usually do that. Good news is, well, good news. In fact, throughout this passage, four cities that they go to, four times there are people who receive it with great joy. Four times they are thrown out. Four times the phrase, good news, is used. And four times they're rejected and expelled. And I think the main storyline of this first missionary journey, other than the fact that people received the good news, this storyline, every single city, Acts 14.4. Here's the storyline. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. Here's the message, folks. Gospel always divides a crowd. Always.
1: You are listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church. And we want to take a quick moment to let you know this program is underwritten this week by the offices of Dr. Robert Bass, Internal Medicine. He's located in the Stone Oak area at 1202 East Sonterra, Suite 701. And the phone number for Dr. Robert Bass is 210-404-2650. And by the way, River City Community Church is on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to see a more personal side of Sean Azaro, there's a link at their website, reallife.org. And here he is again with what's happening at River City this weekend.
2: Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church. I want to invite you to our current series of messages called Downgraded, Embracing Financial Reality. Our nation recently went through a financial downgrade that has shocked our markets as well as a whole lot of people. Financial problems aren't just a government thing. They impact individuals and families as well. We're going to address the things that got us here as well as some great biblical wisdom that will get us out. River City is a church for real life, and this topic is as real life as it gets. Don't miss this series of messages called Downgraded, Embracing Financial Reality. River City is located one half mile inside of 1604 on Redland Road and jones Maltzburger. Sunday service times are 8, 930, 1115, and of course our 111 house service. At 11:15 we even have translation headsets for our Spanish speaking friends. River City is a multi-site church and also has campuses in New Braunfels and Northwest San Antonio. Go to reallife.org for more information and we'll see you on the road to real life.
1: Welcome back and we return to Real Life Radio.
2: Here's the message folks gospel always divides a crowd. Always. Sometimes it's cuz of anger, sometimes it's cuz Paul in Corinthians calls it a mystery. They just don't understand it. because people are afraid of it. Sometimes people just don't want it. It always divides a crowd. Here's the point. If you're taking notes, write it down. The gospel is only good news to those who know they need it. But to them, it's great news. The gospel is only good news to those who know they need it. But to them, it is great news. You see... There's a simple principle, and I've shared it with you before. You'll never fully embrace. You'll never be able to fully embrace the good news until you understand the bad news. You've got to understand the bad news to appreciate the good news. This idea of the gospel causing division, e- even this week, I mean, some of you probably read, it was a very well-publicized deal. There's a, a pastor out of uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, named Rob Bell. Um... And he put out a book called Love Wins. And there's this great controversy over this book. And I have to tell you, I have been a fan of Rob Bell. He is a really sharp, brilliant communicator. But over the last couple of years, as I've listened, I've found some things disturbing about the way he handled Scripture, the way he failed to made, made points from a historical construct, that completely contradicted plainly stated scripture and he failed to deal with that. But it was one of those things that you kind of go and this book comes out and you know, there's such a firestorm. Uh, I read some reviews of it and I bought the book. I read the book and I'm afraid this guy who I really have thought very highly of, he, he basically teaches universalism. Universalism is very simply the idea that, Really, your decision here on earth isn't the ultimate decision. You will even be able to, after death, have the opportunity to get out of hell. That, that hell, as the Bible describes it, really isn't as the Bible describes it, and that it is not the final thing. There's a whole lot of other ways where, as I read this book, I'm just like, oh, man, so loose with the Scripture. And that's really the issue sometimes, isn't it? Because the Scripture is our authority. If you're going to say God is love, you can say that because, one, the Scripture says it, and two, that has been proven true over and over and over again, is the nature of who He is. But our foundation is Scripture. So if you undermine the teaching of Scripture and you begin to erode constantly, well, it doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that. Who's to say then someone's not going to come to your teaching of God is love and go, no, He isn't. Gee, I didn't experience a loving God. People in Japan didn't experience a loving God. Abused children don't experience a loving God. No, God isn't loving. God's a really cruel tyrant. Got to be real careful with the word of God. And so the the fundamental issue of this this book and this conflict is again the gospel. And the problem of the book is trying to dull or blunt the bad news. And the scripture doesn't do that. The scripture is very clear. And I believe it's because you'll never appreciate the good news until you really understand the bad news. The bad news, Jesus was real plain about the bad news. In fact, he was sometimes almost, you know, made some really bizarre statements. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Because it's better to go into heaven with one less hand than to go into hell whole. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Holy cow, because it's better going to heaven complete and whole than going to hell. Or excuse me, going to heaven without an eye than going to hell whole. Jesus isn't advocating actually doing those things. What he's trying to communicate is how severely sin destroys and kills and how serious and real that death is. Jesus came to save us from that if it wasn't really all that bad, then why bother Jesus with the horrible torment of the cross? See, the message of Scripture is so clear. And it's one of those things where until we understand that, the good news doesn't make sense. Be saved. Well, from what? I don't need to be saved. I'm fine. I was Walking in Southern California with some friends, and uh, the names are Dave and Shirley, and Lori and I were with them and two couples, and we're just walking, and it was nighttime, and we're walking in a busy section of town, and... The girls are talking and Dave and I are here talking and kind of just walking down the street. You know how you do. And the girls are getting right up to the street and they're about to cross. Okay? They're not paying attention. And and Lori, saw, I could see Lori saw it and slowed down. She's looking. There's a car right here. Shirley didn't see it. She starts to step out into traffic. I just grab her and pull her back. Now, first thing she thinks is, what are you doing? See, me grabbing her and pulling her back was not good news. Until she saw the car fly by her. Now my pulling her, you know, roughly back became really good news. Thank you. I've told you before, I've used the illustration. If I come up to your house and I go, you know, here, I've got this moving van for you. It's really important. You should take the moving van. I paid for it. Here's the keys. You you, you need to take the moving van, really. Load your stuff in it and, you know, just be, you, you need the moving van. You're like... Dude, I'm not moving. Thank you, though. How thoughtful. It's U-Haul and everything. Nice. Air suspension. Thank you. But if all of a sudden you know and you become convinced that there's a Katrina-sized storm coming to your city and you're going to be flooded, you're going to be wiped out, your city's going to be leveled, there's an earthquake and a tsunami coming to your city, and you've got one day. How you like my moving van now? Oh, who's your friend now? See, you understand the good news. There is a moving van available to you and you're going to need it because you really believe and you understand the bad news. You'll never appreciate the good news until you embrace and are willing to recognize the bad news. And the Scripture is clear. The wages of sin is death. That's why Jesus came and took a cross. Scripture is clear. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9 that those who reject God and the Gospel will be punished with and the Scripture uses the word everlasting destruction. And I, and you know what? Boy, that's one I sure wish I could justify away. I wish I could kind of explain away. That's some hard truth. The fact is, in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul gives us the good news. And he lays it out so beautifully. I don't need to explain the bad news away because there's really good news. A provision has been made. Ephesians 2 beginning at verse 1 Paul says as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins." Notice he begins with the bad news You were dead In your transgression your law-breaking and your sin In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient all of us Also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. I don't know exactly, but that sounds kind of bad. Objects of wrath. But, I smell some good news coming, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. Not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Yes, the bad news is real, but the good news is realer. It's better. It's bigger. It wins. I agree with the title of Rob's book, Love Does Win. But it wins because of the cross. It wins because of the cross. Skip down to verse 19. Listen to what Paul writes. He said, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. More good news, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which, listen to this, in which God lives by his Spirit. That's real good news. I want to real quickly just highlight from that passage four reasons the gospel is really good news. Number one, the gift of grace. The gift of grace. Yeah, grace is essentially um, getting something I don't deserve. I haven't earned. If I earn it, it's paid. Grace is different. It's receiving something I haven't earned. Mercy is not receiving what I do deserve. Okay? Okay. Mercy is I did something bad, had bad consequences, and I I don't receive that. But grace is when I receive something good that I could never earn on my own. I don't deserve. Paul talks all throughout this passage of God's grace. It is God's grace that has saved us. Man, grace is a beautiful word. It means that I can be forgiven. I can be forgiven. It means my failures are not final. My faults are not forever. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you may think it is. I don't care how far you may think you are away from God because of what you've done. Um, You are no more than one prayer away. He's here. He loves you. And he comes to us with grace.
1: You've been listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church, as next week Pastor Sean will wrap up this message and series on the Contrarian Gospel. You're more than welcome to visit River City Community Church, which is located at the corner of Jones-Maltzberger and Redland Road, about a half mile inside Loop 1604 on the north side of San Antonio. If you'd like more details, directions, and service times, just go to the website reallife.org. And if you'd like to call the church, the number is 490-5262 as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church and underwritten this week by the office of Dr. Robert Bass Internal Medicine. Have a great week, and we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.